Memory Tracks, next episode, number seven. The goal is to get to 10 and then see where we go with that. So I'm like starting to get that line. We're like, why did I set a goal of 10? Uh, I probably will keep doing it. Honestly, it's been fun. Uh, but I'm really, really excited for this one today. Uh, it's kind of a special one to me because it's a really good friend of mine um, I've got on site who uh, we've shared a whole lot of awesome musical connections over the years, like seen a lot of good shows, talked about a lot of good bands, exchanged a lot of good records. Um, and I think that, you know, it, it's it's really cool to have the guest here because uh, he doesn't live in Austin anymore. We, we met here in Austin over the past few years, but uh, currently is in Chicago. So occasionally comes in town, comes out of town. We always catch up, always have good sessions and things. But um, definitely would really excited to have uh, Chris Wright here with me for this next episode. So Chris, say hello. Hello and wow, Harrison. Uh, as you know, you're one of my favorite people in the whole world. <laughs> there's there's no doubt about that. And you know, when I heard about what you were putting together with Memory Tracks, uh, just uh, unbelievably thrilled to be part of this and honored and. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, some of the times where we started discussing music when we worked together and, you know, how I honestly thought you were 10 to 15 years older just because of your music <laughs> knowledge, <laughs> because I'm 10 to you know, 15 plus years older than you. And I remember we were having a discussion one day and I, I think it was coming up about like Lollapalooza and, you know, I was talking about the very first one in 91 and you were like, wait, I was only four years old. And I was blown away at that point. I was like, how do you know so much about music? Like, how have you like... Because you were wearing the shirt, right? You had the shirt on at work. I think I had on... what I can't remember what the tide order. Maybe I was getting ready to go back up to Chicago for for the shows. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, I was fortunate enough to see him, you know, the first tour in 91. And you were like, what do you... I was only four years old because we were talking (laughs) about all the bands. And at that point, I was just like, wow, this this guy knows his stuff. No doubt about it. And then, yeah, to think of all the shows that we've seen together. Um, and in fact, we're adding one tonight. Trash, yeah. t- trash talk. Trash which talk, baby. I'm excited. This is going to be a cool one. It's and the fact be turned it's up. <laughs> your year anniversary of uh, Barracuda, right? The first year. Is that right? Oh, that's so. right. Because this whole weekend they're doing whole shows, weekend, special yeah. shows. That's a that's a. So this uh, this has worked out really well. The timing has been fortuitous to be back in town. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited. So thank you for having me on. And I've enjoyed. I've listened to every single one prior to this. And have walked away with new music that I'm listening to. Awesome. Which, you know, as you get older, at least as I've gotten older, my opportunities to learn about new music are fewer and far between. And so this has been a great education for me with things I never would have thought of. Yeah. You know, I'm listening to the front bottoms now. Yeah, um, had nice. never had never heard of the front <laughs> bottoms before. Yeah. Um, you know, as we talked about with like Gold Room, you know, from the last one, uh, just bands that I never even thought I'd ever think of and now i'm listening to them so that's a big cool. a big thank you for that yeah that's cool i mean we've had it's it's been fun because uh every guest has it's really di- it's been a really diverse like lineup of uh artists and styles of music and things so it's really cool and i was very happy when you sent over your three tracks uh yesterday because again it's another different set of styles and music and as style, the first two especially, and really the third is influenced by it, I'm sure. But, you know, it's like this genre that I was very late into coming into with kind of the 80s or 90s, like hardcore, punk, underground, rock scene. Um, and we can get into more of that as we go into talk about the songs. But really excited to play them because I think that they're songs that, you know, some listeners may never have given a shot otherwise. And so that's always a good door opener for me personally whenever I hear stuff that I'm like oh I'm totally dismissive of this genre of music and like it's not for me but then when someone like explains the story behind it or something for them personally or the actual story behind the song whatever it may be then it's always kind of cool to have that connection to it It helps you latch on to something in a way that otherwise might be pretty foreign and you might dismiss right away so I'm sure hopefully we'll get some listeners that have a similar experience with some of this and if we do, then you'll be the guy to reach out to because you know so much about this uh, this style. And I mean, I'm sure you probably wouldn't say that yourself, but I think that you really do. And it's uh, it's always awesome to hear of like the stories that you have around this stuff. So I know today's going to be awesome. Cool. Thank yeah. you. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> um, well, I guess we could go ahead and play the first one. Um, and this song is going to be called Ha Ha Ha. Ha ha ha! Which by Flipper, it's yeah, classic. Yeah, classic. it's a great song. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, you know, my introduction to it. But I'm gonna go ahead and hit the play. 
Wow, I, I feel like I'm 11 years old again. Holy cow. I'm sure collectively people <laughs> who are listening to this are saying, what the hell was that? Was that recorded in you know someone's basement? And it, it very well could have been. Um, but yeah, that, the, that flipper tune is pretty pinnacle in my music development uh, because it was the first time I'd ever heard anything like that. Um, and as I mentioned, I was, I was 11 years old uh, in sixth grade. And, you know, I'm, I'm holding it right here and something I think should become, you know, tradition on the show is somebody, whoever you're taping, brings you a record uh, that contains a song <laughs> that we're discussing. Um, so I'm holding it here and I sent this to you to, to have and to keep and hopefully you'll love it as much as I do. It's, it's the Let Them Eat Jelly Beans album um, that actually came out in 1982, uh, but I did not hear it until 1983, 84. Yeah. So, or pardon me, 84, 85. Um, so what's interesting about that, if, if I can kind of set the stage is, you know, I grew up in Kansas. Mm -hmm. So imagine early eighties in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> um, most of my music is informed at that time by Connie Boom Boom Helmer, who is the local DJ <laughs> on V100.3 <laughs> playing top 40 hits, uh, or, you know, KTEL records, or maybe what was being played at the skating parties or things like that. Yeah. Um, but fortunately for me, I had an older sister. Uh, and you know, you're the oldest brother. I know yeah. you're the oldest kid I in your family. Oldest, yeah. So you've passed down everything to your, right. your sibling. So I was very fortunate that I had an older sister, uh, who ran with a pretty cool crowd and, you know, she would have been in high school and she comes home with this album one day and we put it on and it was like nothing I'd ever heard from those first bass notes. I was like, what, what the hell is this? <laughs> um, and I think about honestly, like what I had in my tape box at that time was like, you know, Eddie Grant, you know, Killer on the Rampage with like Electric Avenue. Mm -hmm. um, kind of embarrassed <laughs> to admit this, but like one of the first songs I really liked was Physical by Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, no, there's nothing embarrassing about that. It's um, a great song. But, you know, and so all of a sudden to hear this and, you know, what it plays into, and I would urge everybody, you know, listening to this to, to go out and, and find Let Them Eat Jelly Beans uh, because it is, it is a remarkable album that really for the time uh, was way ahead of where things were, but was also you know, something that inspired so many future musicians. Mm -hmm. And it's not just me saying that, it's, you know, articles I've read over the last 25 years uh, where people have said, oh my gosh, I was inspired by that band or that song. And if you look at just the first side of this album, you know, it was six, 17 extracts from the darker side. You know, you've got DOA, you've got Bad Brains, you've got Dead Kennedys, you've got Really Red, you know, you've got uh, Black Flag. Down the back side, you had more art rock like Kristen Lunch and and half Japanese and, and B people and things like that. And so this song like got me excited. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And somehow I convinced my sister to, or maybe I didn't even tell her, but I took the record to school and I went into the library with my buddies and played it. And you know how you would go and you could kind of check out a little, uh -huh. well, I don't know if they, they uh, did that when you're in high school. So in <laughs> when I was in, this would have been actually imagine, grade school. Yeah. yeah. Grade school. And you'd go in and, uh, yeah, we'd take turns listening in the headphones. And I think, you know, collectively amongst my group of friends too, it also set them off because I look at, you know, what we listen to over the next, you know, now it's 25 plus years later, 30 years later, but this kind of inspired everything we were listening to into, you know, the LA punk leading into mm -hmm. some of the glam metal mm -hmm. straight into grunge from there. 
but what was amazing about this is, you know, I said it inspired a number of others. Mm-hmm. And when I first heard those bass lines, um, the next time I heard something very similar to that was when uh, a guy I was in wood shop class with in high school gave me Nothing Shocking, James Addiction. Oh, yeah. And, you know, every song there, Eric Avery, is it yeah. literally starts with the bass line. on his back, yeah. And, yeah, he kicks off everything. And I'd read articles later on where he'd even said, yeah, Flipper inspired me. Will Shatter, Bruce Lewis, like that that was the group that inspired me. And so, you know, to, to be at the front of that, listen to this tune, and then years later go, oh, I see, like, it's inspiring somebody, you know, who's actually musical. Yeah. Who knows what the hell they're doing. It's one of the greatest bands in the whole world. Uh, it was pretty amazing. And it was just happen, you know, happenstance that my sister yeah. happened to bring this home. And another crazy thing about that, like I said, this got to me in 84, 85. That's when I was in sixth grade. This came out in 1982. So, I mean, think about how things were so different back then. It's not like you could log on yeah. or, or find out the about The new this. release of that week, like, took you years to hear. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Middle America, it took us two and a half yeah. years to get, like, what was happening on the coast. Were the and bands coming through there at all or no? Nothing. So, some of the bands did come through. And, you know, another big piece, and I'll talk about this with, with Lawrence, Kansas, for, um, you know, for the next band. But uh, there was a little venue called The Outhouse, uh, which hosted pretty much every punk band that came through Middle America. Mm-hmm. And it was out in the cornfield, you know, legendary spot. I mean, if you talk to anybody, even some of your your favorite bands, yeah. <laughs> have probably like rolled through and it's played the outhouse? there. It was called the Outhouse. Okay. Yeah, it's it's been defunct for, oh my gosh, I think it closed in the late '90s, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say what it's become. It's it's uh, Joe Scrapshot. No, even worse than that. <laughs> it's it's a BYOB filthy. Uh, strip club. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's the last of oh, what man. I heard it is. But uh, you know, it's out in the middle of a cornfield. Yeah. Um, and there's some. I, I know Flaming Lips are one of your favorite bands. I'll send yeah, you. There's yeah. a. There's a great thing where Wayne's mom would dictate directions on how to get there and mm-hmm. give him a write up. And I have pictures of that that my friends had found <laughs> trying to get to the outhouse. But so the outhouse brought a lot of these bands through. So people were very into the the punk scene once it hit. Yeah. You know, it was years years later. You know, than when it hit on the coast, but uh, I imagine Kansas was pretty like red, like pretty Republican, or, mm. not, or like, was it more mixed. Uh, no, or? like most, like most states, um, you know, because the university's there. Mm-hmm. So when you have younger people around the university, and you know, people who are from all over, it's yeah. a little bit more liberal. Um, not a little bit, a lot more liberal. Yeah. Um, so it was just this great spot for people to stop. No cool. doubt about it. Yeah. And when you also look at tour schedules, and you know, people crossing the country in a van. You play in Denver, and then you're headed to Chicago, probably. It's a long shot. Yeah. yeah. So where are you going to stop? You know, in between there. Right. You know, people might go down and hit St. Louis. You know, but they'll they'll come through Lawrence. Yeah. They'll come through Kansas, and more often than not, they played Lawrence instead of Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, so got to see a lot of a lot of great shows um, at the Outhouse back in the day. But once again, th- this album is really what set it off um, yeah. with Flipper and and what they were doing for me um, to just say, wow, this sounds like nothing I've ever heard. Um, these are guys who, you know, I come to find a lot of them, you know, they picked up their instruments and they learned how to play them while they were creating songs. Unfortunately for me, I wasn't ever musically inclined. Like mm-hmm. I still can't, you know, I'm tone deaf. Um, so <laughs> just, if I were to try to play a guitar, it, it would be terrible, but I did have friends that, you know, picked up instruments and started playing. Yeah. So it was cool to see them get into bands. Um, you know, knowing that anybody could go out there and make this type of music now. And so there were a handful of things that came out of this with like, uh, with Flipper and I think one of their earlier albums, I think their first one was Public Flipper Limited. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately Johnny Lydon, Johnny Rotten, when he left the yep. Sex Pistols and did the PIL, PIL Pill, yeah. essentially was ripping that off. And, you know, they came back and there was this whole thing, you know, anti-Johnny Rotten for what he did with, with Pill, yeah. and PIL. And just little, crazy little things I remember like that from, uh, you know, from you my youth. Yeah, Oh, definitely Flipper, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, even, like, uh, Will Shatter, you know, the main member of Flipper, I mean, I think he passed away in, like, 1987. Yeah, there yeah. Was, when I was looking at the info on the band, there's, like, a quote from San Francisco Weekly. They were like, this band is like Spinal Tap, except the bass player keeps dying. Yeah. Because I think, like, two or three of two them, them. Over- overdosed or something. Yeah, uh, heroin overdoses, yeah. Yeah. And so this was put out on Alternative Tentacles, which was, you know, originally uh, Jello Biafra, is that? Yep. Just label for Dead Kennedys. And, of course, the Dead Kennedys are on here um, with 
pinnacle song, you know, Nazi punks fuck off, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of these songs, you know, you think about what was happening in the early eighties and it was, you know, Ronald Reagan and these were young kids and they were angry and it was a cold war. Ronald Reagan's on the cover of the record. Exactly. The American flag in the background. Yeah. With the, you know, kind of taking a twist on the Marie Antoinette quote. And, and so if you think about kind of where we are today, you know, we've got something I think is not to get political, but much more diabolical that's going to be going on Mm -hmm. over the next four years. And I think we'll start to hear music that is a response to that. Yeah. And it will be extremely passionate and it'll be, you know, kids. And when I say kids, I mean anywhere from like 14 to 24 to 30 who are just making music in response to this. And so although I'm not excited about the new regime, I'm definitely excited for music that's going to come out over the next three to four years because people are going to be passionate. But uh, this album, once again, every song on the album is a favorite of mine. But I think the Flipper song is really what encapsulates it because it, it was the first song on the album. Yeah. And when you hear that bass, you're like, I know I'm in for something. Did you play like the actual LP like over and over? Oh, nonstop. Yeah. Um, and my sister actually still has the album. Oh, cool. Like she pulled it out. Like the original one. Yeah. The original one that she brought it, yeah. home. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and she lives here in Austin. So, uh, you know, good to see her Yeah, and hang out and uh, talk about this. And so the album that I got for you and sent to you actually mm-hmm. had a poster insert. We never had that. There was no poster insert. And that poster insert is awesome because it actually has pictures of the bands. It has the lyrics. Yeah. And it has a little write-up on them. Um, had we been armed with that, it would have been amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, you didn't, there was no Wikipedia. To like when you wanted to learn more, no. you just had to ask your friends and hope that the guy at the record store knew. Exactly. Which, <laughs> you know, luckily a record store called World Records popped up on 6th Street. And it had a little hardcore section. Oh, cool. And you would go in there and you, we'd walk over because it was close to high school and uh, we'd walk over and there's a little place called Taco Casa next door. We'd get some tacos and then walk in there and whatever three albums you had in the hardcore section, we'd usually take. And uh, that's what we had to rely on. And then we found out about Maximum Rock and Roll, um, which they still print to this day. And it's still in the very same format that looks like, you know, guys cut and paste and photocopied. Mm-hmm you know, in black and white and put in their show They're posters. still doing that. Yeah, still doing it. Wow. It's awesome. Yeah, that to pick cool. up. I mean, it's it's definitely a throwback. And so we had one little record store, but there was no way to get information unless someone was coming through town, somebody had an older brother or sister that saw something, or just somebody luckily heard something somewhere from yeah. somebody who knew something about what was going on in the punk scene. Yeah. I was, you were talking about playing it over and over and still having the record. It's always funny when they think of you know you hear the expression of like wearing out the grooves and stuff mm-hmm. and i mean i've got i love having records because i love the tangential aspect of having something in the cover art and stuff not a big audio file so i'm not going to lie to you and say it really just sounds better like i just kind of like the tactical thing of being able to visualize what i listen to um but the idea of like wearing out grooves like i mean i, I can't imagine any of my records i'll ever wear out because i just don't listen to them mm-hmm enough because you I'll hear them digitally or whatever or I have so many that you know you just can't do it so the idea of like having a record that you actually truly like wore the grooves out uh, that's always cool to me yeah and with this particular record and a lot of the bands on here I mean it's it's very lo-fi it's, <laughs> it's very raw and rough as it is so. and so even if the grooves were worn out you might be like you wouldn't have noticed hey, I think that's how it's supposed to sound Oh, but funny. yeah, once once again, a, a pinnacle band, pinnacle song, and just unbelievable album that you can still find out there, um, you know, from the first release uh, that people should get and listen to. And some of the bands on there, you know, like I said, we talked about, you know, really, uh, really red, yeah. who I thought the lead singer was Jell Biafra in that band too, because it sounded exactly the same. Yeah, um, or he had a very similar voice, but turns out they're from Houston, um, or you know, a weird, you know cosmic coming together of like my early life and over the last couple of years as you know I've been very involved with uh, wine and winemaking mm-hmm. through my buddy and being out on his vineyard mm-hmm. and one of his buddies a guy named Hank Beckmeyer who sources grapes and makes a tremendous wine uh, Lockerine Farms with his wife we're sitting there at dinner one time talking and his wife's like oh yeah Hank used to be in a band and I'm like would I have heard of him he's just like probably not and I go what were they called she goes half Japanese I'm like, are you kidding me? No way. Yeah. And I'm like, half Japanese was like on of you know, course, the backside. Yeah. yeah. And we started talking about that. And he played with Itham later after this. So he wasn't involved with this recording. And yeah. then I didn't even realize. So like Jad Fair and his brother who started half Japanese. I mean, they live here in Austin. So there's really? an Austin. Yeah. Weird Austin connection to that huh. there. But, um, you know, just to be almost 30 years later sitting, you know, having dinner with a guy 
just talking about like, oh my yeah. God, you were in this band that was on this album that yeah. I listened to back in sixth grade that got me really pumped about music for the first time. Right. Uh, was, was pretty amazing. Right. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, should we go to the next one? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this next one is called One More Bottle. And, yep. One uh, More Bottle by Paw. Paw. Lawrence's Finest. Or one of Lawrence's Finest. So good to hear. Wow, that's so good to hear. When was the last time you listened to that? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I still listen to it pretty regular. Yeah. I would say, <laughs> I, can tell, I can tell you, last week, yeah. um, <laughs> in a bar. And really? Yeah. It came on the jukebox or you played it? I played it, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I guess that can kind good, of go with... A good crowd reception? With the three people in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Which is funny because I can kind of explain how that came about, and that'll actually lead into the next. There we song. go. 
but uh, yeah, Pa, well, you know, Lawrence, Kansas, uh, one of the finest bands, you know, to come out of Lawrence. And I know some people are probably listening to that going, once again, what the hell was that? And <laughs> wait, who are these guys? Like, why should I know about them? And you, you probably wouldn't. I mean, they never broke big, although they were on the cusp for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, they're all fantastic musicians. And I, you know, I really wish they would have broken big because it probably would have been incredibly, you know, rewarding to them financially. More people would have known about their music. Uh, but the fact that they didn't maybe keeps it more tied to people who were just in Lawrence listening to them pretty mm-hmm. regularly. And so I got to Lawrence, Kansas, which is where the University of Kansas is, you know, about 20 miles away from where I grew up in 1991. And, you know, at that point, you know, Lollapalooza had happened, you know, Jane's Addiction, you know, was in my heavy rotation as well as all those bands. The Seattle sound was starting to come up. You mm-hmm. know, I think I had Louder Than Love by Soundgarden and a few others. And then, of course, you know, Nirvana breaks. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Pa opened up for Nirvana um, oh, yeah. and Urge Overkill when they played the Lawrence Ballroom in 91. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't at that show, uh, but one of my best buds of all time, Jeff Lucero, was. Um, so, you know, he was, <laughs> he saw an early Pa show, but he also saw an early Nirvana show. Yeah. Saw an earlier Nirvana show at the Outhouse yeah. uh, in 89, he did. Uh, but so Pa was, you know, Lawrence Originals. And, you know, kind of the story is these guys record Dragline in an old farmhouse. And it came out in 1993, but the two years prior to that, you know, it's not like it was leaked or you could go anywhere and find this. You went and saw them live. And Lawrence had and, and still has a really vibrant music scene. And I would think it's, you know, on a much smaller scale. But, you know, like walking down 6th Street, there are bands playing, you know, but these are all people who live in, you know, are probably college age or a little bit older who are in a band just getting it done. And, you know, I think about my first couple of years in Lawrence and it was just going out and repeatedly seeing you know amazing band after band after band any night of the week you wanted and paul was playing a lot of those nights and those were some of my favorite shows and shows that guys would get incredibly like excited for but when you think of the other bands that were out there i mean it was like kill creek it was billy goat you know danger bob bag baghdad jones uh Cincy Disciples, which became Tenderloin, um, which look and up. These are all Kansas based bands. All, yeah, Lawrence for the most part. Yeah, um, yeah look up Cincy Disciples um, and, you know, Tenderloin, Ernie Locke, like a, a very large man playing harmonica shirtless most of the time, rockabilly, <laughs> uh, just punk, like <laughs> awesome. But it's like those types of shows were going on. But, but Pa really resonated with me and kind of, you know, moved to the forefront. And these were just regular guys, too. You know, like I think, uh, you know, one of them worked over at Free State Brewery, you know, another one, you know, worked at a restaurant. They were just, there were guys in a band working there in the city playing great shows. And when Dragline came out, um, you know, just like I mentioned with Let Them Eat Jelly Beans, I think every song on there is, is pretty influential to me. Uh, but One More Bottle became really influential because it kind of became the theme song that we always heard when we were in a bar. And the bar we used to hang out at the most was a bar it's called probably intentional. Intentional, yeah. Everybody buy one more bottle. <laughs> one more bottle, you know. I'm in a I'm in a bar trying to kill myself. You know, we weren't trying to do that, but like yeah. we were, you know, one more drink before I hit the streets type of thing. Right. And so the bar we hung out at the most was a little place called Louise's West, um, affectionately known just as West. And you know, still had the old jukebox, uh, which when I walk into a bar now and I see an old jukebox with the CDs in it, mm-hmm. and it's like somebody put that together. Somebody yeah. put in awesome CDs that they know the music is going to get people excited. Um, you know, and now when I walk into a bar and I see a big computer thing where you can search for anything, I'm like, yeah. oh, that takes a lot of fun yeah, away. Yeah, takes the fun out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Paw, you know, the Paw CD was in there, and song 5510, like, I remember it to this day. Like, I probably played it, you know, hundreds of dollars of worth over five, six years while I was in Lawrence, and was just back last week. And that's the last time I played in a bar and went to West uh, with my buddy that's Wardo. Awesome. And had to go find it on the electronic, you know, <laughs> dig it out. And there were, <laughs> they had it though? Yeah, they had yeah. it. Yeah, they had Dragline, which means somebody had downloaded that. Yeah. It, it makes sense. I it's mean, still good, yeah. Still good. And, you know, uh, a guy stopped us on the way out because we were heading to see a show. And he said, uh, he goes, hey, were you the one who played Paw? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, I love that. It takes me, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, a guy about my age. And I was like, yeah, it's just, you know, it was, it was a killer tune, but it was a killer band. Yeah. And, you know, at one time they were anointed the the next Nirvana. Like yeah. Lawrence was going to be kind of that hotbed, and you know I saw them so many times in Lawrence. And then in 1994, second semester of school, I decided to take off um, just to kind of chill out. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do something a little different, and had gotten a work permit, 
and went over to London, had a six-month work permit. Well, crazy straight thing of uh, timing and events, and they end up playing in London. While you're so, out there. While I'm there, you yeah. just left it, Kansas. Yeah. First time to be outside of the country. First time. I'd been out of, outside of the country one other time. Okay. Yeah. So, but And your hometown crew is there. <laughs> yeah, hometown band. Like, the guys I, like, love seeing. Yeah. And so... Uh, Makes went, you feel at home. Made me feel fantastic. Um, yeah, so I had that six-month work permit, was working in London, and sure enough, on the marquee, it's it's paw with raging slab and head swim, which I still remember this day. Uh, don't remember much about head swim. They were from like Essex. They were an English band, but raging slab had some type. It wasn't even a hit, but it was a song that was in heavy rotation on Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. And it had like Gary Coleman in it, <laughs> you know, like what you talking about Willis. <laughs> and that's all I remember about, but they opened and then Pa came on and just slayed it. Yeah. And you know, they were playing things off a of drag line, but they were playing, you know, new, new things that would mm-hmm. be on their second mm-hmm. album. And I remember I talked to him a little bit afterwards, like, hey, I'm just, you know, from Lawrence, love you guys, seen you a lot. And they were just like, oh, man, thanks. That's awesome. That's you know, just cool. weren't expecting to meet someone else from Lawrence. I'm no. Sure. But, I mean, it, it's not like I knew it. I just, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've seen yeah, you guys so many still. times. I love what I mean, we Lawrence do. Lawrence is not a huge town, right? It's got the no, university co- and then. University you know, maybe like 60,000 other people. Right. Yeah. Tiny, tiny. Um, Where, it, where's, like, the location of Lawrence in comparison? Like, if you're band touring through, are you going up through, like, I don't even know. You're on I-70, so you are 20 minutes from Kansas City. Okay. But you're about nine-hour drive from Denver. Gotcha. And if you're going to stay on I-70, you've got five more hours maybe over to St. Louis. Wow. But usually what would happen with bands is they'd play Lawrence and, you know, so many great venues, you know, the Bottleneck, which is where I just was last week Mm -hmm. to catch a show. And, and, uh, you know, you might be going to Liberty Hall. It Mm -hmm. might be, you know, Granada popped up, Jackpot, Replay Lounge, like all these great spots bands could play. Outhouse back in the day, too. Yeah. Like I mentioned. And then a lot of times they'd go to uh, Columbia, Missouri, where University of Mizzou was. Yeah. And there's a great venue there um, that people would go to called Blue Note. And so that was kind of their hop. And then they would make their way through St. Louis and maybe up to Chicago on 55. But, um, yeah, I mean, so kind of middle of nowhere, but eight hours in any direction, you're in the Twin Cities, you're in Denver, you're in Chicago, or you're down in Dallas. I mean, somebody had to take that spot, so Lawrence grabbed it. So Lawrence grabbed it. And, you know, an amazing city, amazing band, um, you know, and just seeing them live. And I, I still remember the shows, like when you would see it on the marquee and this was once again, there was no social media. There was no, you know, coming soon or like, you know, you got an alert, you just happen to see, okay, they put it up on the venue and tickets are going to be sold. And so you yeah. walked into the bar, usually bought tickets beforehand. Um, and I still have so many of my hard, hard copy tickets, which is, you know, I collect, which, you know, yeah, I <laughs> and, love that, uh, yeah. you know, very amazing. But, but those shows themselves were, we're just, you know, I, I haven't gotten excited for a show like that in a long time. Yeah. Except for the next artist that we'll talk about in that song. You mentioned, but, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you mentioned that they played with Head Swim yeah. in Europe, which I don't know much about either. But I think that was the the tour, and I just looked this up, so I don't know yeah. this, but um, that was the tour. They previously, before that leg, they had opened for Tool mm-hmm. in yeah. the U.S. So, like, like you said, they were always kind of on that cusp of yeah. they seem to be getting traction with the right people but it just never quite broke it never quite broke and and on that and what's crazy about that timing too so when i was in london i, I saw tool for the first time yeah uh it was march 3rd of 94 and i, st- I still know that because i have the ticket but it was like literally a couple weeks after seeing the pasha oh wow yeah um so wondering you know, god why didn't those two you know come right. together Keep somehow that, yeah um, but then pa ended up in amsterdam later that year and you can there's a spin article you can read about it but it was they were calling it scrunge like the next wave of grunge was scrunge <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, they were being interviewed by a spin writer in Amsterdam <laughs> when he easily could have like flown to Lawrence to probably yeah. see him. Yeah. Uh, but it's all about how like these are the next, you know, they recorded this song in a farmhouse. It's just like awesome dudes from Lawrence, Kansas, yeah. and they're the next big thing. And then, you know, 95, 96 happened and, you know, Death to Traders came out, which was their second album. And it just really didn't hit. They ended up getting dropped by their label and the band kind of dissipated from there. Hmm. But, uh, you know, One More Bottle still holds, like, a special place in my heart just because of how many times we played it, how it was always played in the bar, how it, you know, was at a time in my life and all my friends' lives where, I mean, you're pretty much unencumbered. You have class and that's it. And you're going out every night and you're having a good time. And, you know, we were probably drinking dangerously, too. It just That's (laughs) that's what you do. You're out and you're having a good time and and the music is there. And so... uh, yeah, it's it'll always be uh, you know a, a top three song. There's no doubt about that for me. That's awesome. I really enjoyed it. I don't really know much Paw, so I'm definitely gonna add that yeah. to my list of 
research. Love it. Uh, all right, so we'll do the next one. I'll tell you the name of the song. We'll tell you the band name because I think they open up with the announcement of the band name and they'll say it better than me. But uh, this next one's opening track on a record that came out this year, actually. Um, and the track is called Fill in the Blank. What's up, guys? You are now listening to start an album yeah and it's i mean that's you know when you think about song i mean we were just talking about earlier today coming out with a banger like that like just talking about space yeah. camp and yeah you know the first song of the new tribe it's like i was hooked yeah yeah from from the get-go so if you'd missed the intro because it was kind of quiet i forgot that the beginning was really quiet but um, car seat headrest is car, the band. car seat headrest is the band it's it's actually one guy will toledo um who i'm, I'm really not even sure if that's 
part of part stage name or if that's his real name. I have no idea. Um, but he he rose to prominence. I mean, he has like 13 albums he put out on. Yeah, I saw 12 albums on Bandcamp, on Bandcamp. before he got signed to Matador like yeah. two years ago. And, and he's so like a kid, right? He's, I mean, he's, he's like 24 now. Yeah. 24, yeah. So he's been doing this since he was a teenager. And, you know, I'd been reading about him a lot of last year and every article I read, you know, was comparing him to like Connor Oberst and, mm, yeah. and Bright Eyes and nothing against Connor Oberst and Bright Eyes or anything. I just, I never really got into him yeah. and, and his music. So I wasn't really passionate about picking this up or, or hearing it. And then, uh, I started reading a little more and I saw that he was playing in Chicago mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? He's playing in Chicago this summer. I'm going to go see the show and I'm, I'm going to listen to this and downloaded. And this is teens of denial. And so, um, this is his true first, like, well done, like, professionally produced album. Yeah. But he also put out Teens of Style last year. Okay. Uh, which is a little bit more lo fi, but still awesome and gotcha. a banger as well. And literally download it um, because I'll, I'll say I'm, you know, me kind of old, like, I'm not on any of the, like, I'm not on any of the Spotify. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like, I still buy, <laughs> I'll, I'll still occasionally buy a CD or a tape or, right. you know, something to support people at a show. But also, I'll, I'll go pay to download the music. So I went to iTunes, found it, download it. And hearing that right out of the gate, fill in the blank, I was like, oh, my God. And the rest of the album's phenomenal. Um, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, that just kicks off everything for me, that song. And I haven't been this excited in a long time about new music That's like awesome. this. And it, it made me think of something very, like, I was, there was going to be, you know, I had 10 other songs maybe for number three, and I want to pick something that was really important to me, and this is becoming important and probably will become more important down the road. But this reminded me of myself in 1998 when my buddy Chad Albert came home from being up in Minneapolis, and we lived together in Chicago, and he said, oh, I ran to a buddy, you know, I went to school with and grew up with, and he's in a band, and he gave me a CD, and it's really good. And we started listening to it and listening to it. And then it just became like our summer listening. And we went to see the show and the CD was half dead and dynamite and the band was lift or polar. So it was Craig Finn. He grew up with, you know, who ultimately went hold steady and things like that. And so I just remember that's how I felt with this album, listening to it, leading up to going and seeing them live. Yeah. Because that was the same thing with the first lift or polar show we saw in 98 and I remembered I had we had tickets actually to see George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars at the Cubby Bear that night (laughs) and we went and sold them out front of the Cubby Bear and hopped a cab over to the (laughs) empty bottle yeah yeah, to catch uh to catch that show and I felt the same way like I have to clear my calendar for that night that he's playing and so uh car seat headrest you know he was playing he has a full band backing him and everything and they played at Talia Hall in Chicago Mm -hmm. which is down in Pilsen new venue over the last five years um, since I'd been in and out, I'd been in Austin for about three years and then traveling for a year. I still hadn't seen a show there. So this was like my virgin show at Talia Hall. Like yeah. talk about a way to come out of the gate and went out to dinner the night before a do sex or night before the, the, the night of the show, like before the show uh, with my buddy and his girlfriend. And, you know, she was like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to go home. And I go, look, you don't want to miss this show. Like you, you come to this, yeah. like you'll be bummed if you miss this. And sure enough, we all walked in and we're just blown away. Yeah. And he, he is an amazing performer. Um, you know, at one point he did, uh, he covered uh, Frank uh, Ocean Ivy. Oh, cool. Acapella, <laughs> yeah. Uh, last time I just saw him play, which gets back to Lawrence. So last week I flew into Lawrence to see him play a show at the Bottleneck and met up yeah. with some buddies and did kind of a 1990s thing all over again. Yeah. <laughs> where, you know, it was basically reverting to that. And uh, there he covered Black Star, David Bowie. Um, uh, you know, which oh is man, pretty crazy. Yeah. Out. But, uh, and also played for the most part, everything off of, uh, off of teens of denial and played a little teens of style. But I just see big things from this artist and just the fact that, I mean, the song is, it's amazing. And if I read it correctly and if I've read some of the articles on it, I think it's about teen depression, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, you know, fortunately, I never had to deal with that. I didn't know anybody that really went through that. And I, I don't know how things have changed today as like a young person, how quickly you get labeled with, oh, you're depressed or or you need to snap out of this or you're in a funk. Mm. Uh, because I'm sure that all of us were in a funk at one time, especially in your mm. high school years when he's like writing this music and doing mm-hmm. it, you know, because that's a tough time. Uh, but, it you know, it sounds like he's gotten through it. But I don't know if, if this is about that battle or not. Yeah. Uh, but it's not about the words, really, of the song for me. It's just like the beat, the feel, the voice uh, that really gets me excited yeah. for Car Seat Headdress. So go see him if you can. Absolutely. And yeah. he just played Sound on Soundfest here, yeah. what, two weeks ago? Couple, uh, last weekend. And it was a really abbreviated set. Um, 
I think it was only four songs, maybe five songs. I, yeah, I only made it out to the last day past a certain time. And so okay. I think he must have been the day. Yeah, I think he was on Saturday. But that's another thing. I mean, he'll have a song like that that's four minutes of just like awesomeness, and then he'll have like a nine-minute tune. Like a long that, jam yeah. guitar solo. Yeah. yeah, that changes time and rhythm a number of you so know, when I, I, I've seen them once. The first time I saw them was earlier this year at South by Southwest mm. and they were kind of breaking out and they were playing at, um, that like on Guadalupe, the drag, which is like where the students go next to the university or all the shopping areas and stuff are. And like recently urban outfitters bought like a parking lot that they yeah. converted into like an outdoor venue space. So car seat headrest was playing. Are you kidding me? Cause so, I was at an urban outfitters show like that. How did I, are we not connect? I think it that? was like another day or something, oh but well, and so what was interesting was I was there, saw the band and Fax was there. Oh, holy yeah. Crap. And Thax. so I was talking to Fax. Uh, so Fax, uh, for those who don't know, Fax is, uh, you know, a long time kind of poet that, um, since the nineties, that's the first time I, I encountered him in Chicago in, in Chicago. the 90s, yeah. So he's this guy that grew up in Chicago, or like was based in Chicago, writes poetry, goes to lots of shows, and typically will approach bands and ask them if he can read a poem that he's written specifically for that night, for that show. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of how they, the band walks out after, you know, he finishes his poem. And it's, our relationship is cool because we've yeah. had that kind of connection where you're from Chicago, you knew Thax. I had been visiting Chicago and, you know, I had, I had been introduced to Thax through, um, through my ex-girlfriend and just kind of getting to know this kind of cool story behind it was really cool. Um, and well, don't I, leave out the big was, piece of, of the Thax story. Oh yeah. So the big piece of the Thax story was when Chris moved from Austin, um, he's, uh, he threw, he was really kind and threw a big concert, um, not for himself necessarily. I realize as I'm describing this in a like weird way, but it was basically like, "Hey, let's all party and have a good time and see yeah. ourselves." Had three and, great, three great bands play. Yeah, and so my uh, the band I was playing in, Far Far Future, uh, we played with um, another friend of ours, John Lee Bonely, and Blistering and Speeds. The Blistering Speeds yeah. um, at uh, beautiful Hotel Vegas. Hotel Vegas, yeah. And we, uh, I had previously reached out to Fax and asked him uh, who he happened to be in town. Or no, he wasn't in town. That he time. wasn't no, in town. I he asked wrote, him. He, that's right, he was in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. So I asked him to write a poem for us to read at that show for you to going away. And so he wrote like that custom poem. Um, that was really, really cool. I was so excited to share that with you. It's uh, awesome. When you got up there to read that and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> and you're like, this is from Thax. And, uh, yeah, I still have that framed. Um, since I've been traveling a lot and it's, it's at my sister's right yeah. now, but it's in a frame. And the last line of it is, uh, have fun in the land of giants. And I don't know if you told him like I was going to, yeah, to yeah. Easter Island and stuff like right. that. And I was going right. to be in South America, but yeah, I just look at that and I'm like, he's, yeah, the land he's of giants, man. very, yeah. very underrated talent and always, always happy to see him when he's reading for bands. Um, yeah. he kind of goes back and forth between Chicago and Austin, Austin. different places. But anyways, he was at the show and I talked to him afterwards. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Um, because uh, I think he had been been away, and uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, that band was really good." He's like, "Yeah, you know, normally this is not music that I really like, and the story and things like that, but for whatever reason, I really like um, the singer, and I really like what he's doing, and thought it was great." And I was like, "Well, if this has Thax's seal of approval, <laughs> then I am in. I am in for this band." Um, and I think like the next month was when this record came out. So yeah. he was like premiering a couple of like. Dude, there was like a drunk drivers song awesome. or something. Yeah, Killer Whales, drunk drivers. Time. Yeah, that is all. That I mean, really cool. I must have been there the day before because it was like yeah, Night Moves, Alex up. G, who's very much you know put out like thirteen yeah. albums on Bandcamp as well. Ah, I'm so jealous. Yeah, that we <clears throat> <laughs> it was didn't a cool connect. Show. Really yeah. cool show. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think I mean if somebody's released twelve albums between being like fourteen and twenty four. Yeah, I haven't listened to the back albums or anything, but I have heard the two ones that are out on Matador, and they're great. But yeah, I mean, there's there's something there that he's gonna. He's he's special, and and I'm pretty sure he's very you know. When I think of like Prince or Lenny Kraut, you know, guys who can play every instrument and yeah. do because he was doing he this. Do that? So is he recording all? Yeah, this he stuff? did yeah. like early on. He recorded a lot of all this yeah. um, himself. So I think he's musically well versed to do everything. Yeah. And, you know, now that he's got the band pulled together. And then I'd read that the whole car seat headrest name comes from, you know, he would go sit in his car. And that's the only place he could record the vocals. Just record in his car. Yeah. So that's the whole awesome. car seat headrest, you know, he'd record oh, the vocals. That was very connected. Peace, like silence, <laughs> solitude. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm but, to um, to those old ones. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for things to come and that, you know, 
10 years from now, I'll be looking back going, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, you saw them. Well, it's really cool that you picked uh, songs from such different times in your life. And yet, I think you had an unwavering amount of enthusiasm for each. Yeah, no Uh, doubt about it. And this one is especially interesting because most people have picked songs from earlier times in their life, you know, the nostalgic effect and like looking back and there's more time to have soaked in those memories. So it was brave of you to pick a new song and to talk about the new excitement and the new stories tied to that. And I think that's, I'm glad you brought it in. Yeah, thank you. No, it's, I'm, I'm so happy that, uh, you enjoyed it, and we yeah. talked about this. And I, yeah, it's it's me at eleven years old, me at twenty years old, and then me at good God, forty three years old. Yeah, you know, hopefully I'm I'm still getting new music funneled my way and excited, you know, into my fifties and beyond. Yeah, I mean, so far evidence says yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, Pretty new cool. shows tonight, new bands. This yeah. will be the first time I've. I haven't seen Trash Talk. I've never seen Trash Talk before. Oh, yeah. Man. So Eris and I are headed to yeah Barracuda, like we were talking. It's going to be talk. interesting. Like it's been a few years since I've seen them, and that's some of the most like violent. Shows. Yeah, the older I get, the further back I stand. <laughs> yeah, I we'll, be, yeah. we'll be the old guys in the I'm back, back yeah. but we'll be enjoying it. I'll be I'm definitely enjoying it. <laughs> Very cool. Well, hey man, I really appreciate you coming on. It's so special, um, and I'm looking forward to sharing it and listen back to it. And I'm sure it'll be one of my favorites. So. Happy to be here, man. Yeah. Love you, brother. This cool, is awesome. Man. All right, until next time. Until next. <laughs>